Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning to you. How are we doing today? Good. Some of you sound very rested, very rested. I don't know if you were like me, but you were waking up this morning going, is this the right time? Is this, you know, when you have to set your alarm differently? Um, Man, it's an honor to represent uh, leadership here at Bible Center today to share a little bit about where we see, in particular, the next year, uh, where we, we feel like the Lord is leading us for the next year. There were a couple pictures. I don't know if you saw yourself in any of the pictures. You know, you're kind of watching in all the different groups, looking for yourself and people that you know. Uh, but there are a couple that stood out to me of, of people that had major, major impact in my life. And so I wanted to show a couple of them. Did you notice Pastor Spradling sitting in this picture on the bottom there? That one, when, uh, when I saw this, I think it was Thursday, I saw this video for the first time and it like jumped off the screen at me. Um, so I was in middle school and high school during Pastor Spradling's uh, time here at Bible Center. That was at, at Oakhurst. And he's sitting in what is now classrooms uh, for the school. So you can see the curtains there on the back so we've added walls again, and so those are actual classrooms now. Um, but I just love that picture of him. It's like he was the one paying attention to the camera. Um, so, and then there was one other one, and that was in this building, and that was uh, Pastor Sean. And if you looked on the video, you can't see it now, but at the, the top left, it said Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Anybody remember that? So there was a concert that was part of kind of launching uh, this building and the ministry, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but this is not, this picture is not long after we got into this place, into this building. And so uh, when you think about the history of Bible Center, you think about vision, um, as you look through those pictures, you saw so many examples of vision. So many examples of Vision. Vision, I looked it up. This is the definition that you get when you Google it. It says the ability to think about the future with imagination or wisdom. The ability to think about the future with imagination or wisdom. And in the history of this church, 80 years this spring, in the history of this church, there's been so much vision. So much vision. Um, there was a picture in there that, that blew my mind again, just seeing it again. And it was when the church moved from the boulevard to the Oakhurst campus. And I don't know if you caught the picture, but we'll have this up on the website and, and stuff this week. And you'll be able to pause it and look at these things. But if you look close, quarter G didn't even exist yet. Like it wasn't even there. It was all woods. There was, a, there was like a two lane road that came out through there. And so vision was, hey, let's put a church there. And we kind of think this might happen, but we're also not really sure. Um, But let's put it there. And then the other part of this, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Oakhurst, the campus at Oakhurst, where the school is now, was actually built with two front entrances. So if you look at it back where the gym is, that was designed to be a front entrance. And what is now the front entrance was designed to be a front entrance because they didn't know where this road was gonna go. So they built it with this kind of adaptability based on what happened. Um, And so vision has been part of our past. And then a lot of you were part of the move here 
Uh, and I was reading through even this morning one of the pamphlets about the move here. Um, it was fantastic to read through what was going on and how things were just outgrowing everything. And there was no space left and there was no parking left and, and there were no rooms left for people and we were adding services and everything was at capacity and it was, man, we, we gotta figure out what we're gonna do. And so a group of people said, let's, let's move again. So vision is a huge part of the history of Bible Center, this ability to think about the future with, with imagination or wisdom. And so today I wanna start to answer a little bit of the question of what's the next chapter for Bible Center? Where's God taking us? What does God want for us? So first of all, this is not a financial campaign. We're not beginning a financial campaign this morning, although increased finances might be an outcome. This is not a building campaign. I don't have plans that I'm gonna put up on the screen for you this morning and say, we're gonna add this building. And although additional resources, tools, buildings may be an outcome. This is not a ministry expansion campaign. We don't have a county picked out that we're gonna start a ministry in or, or add some other ministry here. Although ministry expansion could be an outcome of what we're going to talk about. But this in particular is a discipleship campaign. This is a discipleship campaign. We want to more and more be the church that God has designed us to be. And as we see in his word today, trust him with the results. We wanna trust him to add so this morning, I want you to go to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two in your Bibles. You also should have one of these booklets with you or near you as well. So um, you'll need both of those this morning as we kind of work through this together. So Acts chapter two in your Bibles and have that booklet that you got on your way in handy uh, as we go through this together. We're gonna start in verse 42 of Acts chapter two. This is Dr. Luke sharing the story of the early church. Dr. Luke sharing the story of the early church. He says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So when you approach the Bible, there are different ways in different genres and different um, things that are presented to us. And two of the things that I would say to you this morning, some things are presented to us in prescriptive ways. In other words, they're presented as things that we should do. They're commands, they're prescribed for us. They are, they are guidelines for how we should live, how we should function, how we should even do church. And there are other things that are presented to us in descriptive ways. In other words, they're, they're describing what was taking place. 
And so in this case, in Acts chapter two, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, is describing what he saw happening in the early church. He's describing that. There's lots and lots of freedom in the New Testament for what the church should look like and how the church should function. You think about the church around the world, even today, and there are all kinds of examples of what it means to meet together as the church. You go to different services across the world and you'll have different experiences, but there are some basic things that are part of the church no matter where you go. And someday in the future, we're gonna teach through what those things are. But here Luke is describing some of the elements that are present in the local church. It makes the church the church. At the end of this passage, the very end of Acts chapter two, the last verse, he says the phrase, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When you read this, one of the right questions would be, how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get to a place where we would describe life at Bible Center with the phrase, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved? What a description! What an incredible outcome. And so how do we get there? We're gonna travel through this passage today. We're gonna look at four things. Four things that we see this early church engaged in that is not necessarily a formula because the Lord added, but is something that's on the heart of God. It's something that's on the heart of God. It was true of that church and we think God is calling us for it to be true of our church. So in the church, number one, discipleship is mission. Discipleship is mission. Look at this. We're gonna spend a little more time on this one than we do on most of the rest of them today because this has to do with kind of where we are today in the series that we start next week. So number one, discipleship is mission. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And jump down to verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. The word for devoted and the word for continued are the same word. In the Greek language, they're the same word. It basically means to stay by or to persist at or to remain with, to be loyal to someone. This concept of devotion. But it makes sense, right? If you think about this group of people being devoted to the things that Luke is saying they're devoted to. What did they had just seen? So many of them were present for the life of Christ on this planet. Many of them had witnessed Jesus coming to earth and living a perfect life and dying a perfect sacrificial death so that they could know God, so that they could have a relationship with God. They had seen that. And then just before this, in Acts chapter two, they were witness to Pentecost, to the launch of the church. They had seen with their own eyes the tongues of fire. 
They had heard Peter get up right following that and, and preach the gospel and call people to repentance. And in fact, in verse 38, just a few verses above where we just read, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They were bearing witness to this, to new life, that God was sending his Holy Spirit and he was building this church. And so yes, they were devoted. Yes, they were devoted. It had captured their hearts. It captured their souls. They were devoted. They were devoted. In your book, flip over to objective number one. Looks like this. Objective number one. It says this. This year, we will engage more intentionally and help people connect, grow, and multiply. I added the word re up here as we emerge from a pandemic season. So some of us need to reconnect. Encouraging them to take their next step, whether it's meeting Jesus, being baptized, joining a group, or moving into a discipleship group. When you see what they were doing, they were devoted to the teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They knew that discipleship was the mission. They knew that discipleship was the mission. They had heard Jesus' words, go and make disciples. And so they knew that was the mission and so they were devoted to this mission. When discipleship is mission, it gives us Number one, focused purpose. Focused purpose. How many of you love college football? How many of you love college football a little less today? How many of you love it a little more today? Yeah, there we go. We're green and we're, we're golden blue. It's the best of times and the worst of times, right? All in one day. You've heard the term devoted fan, right? A devoted fan. What's a devoted fan? Well, a devoted fan is somebody who may be willing to spend exorbitant amounts of money on seats and tickets and experiences and travel and all of those types of things. They may be willing to give all kinds of time to arrange their week around this experience at a college football game. They may have all of the apparel, wearing the colors, it's on their car, it's on their house. They're wearing the shirt or the hat all the time. They sit in whatever the weather is. And in West Virginia, that's like one game. From the first quarter to the fourth quarter, you have all the seasons. But last night it was in the rain Soon it'll be in the cold, it's also in the heat. 
They're willing to do anything to be part of this experience, to be part of this team, to be part of this fan base. They're devoted to this. I'm not bashing college football, but I am saying that these early believers saw devotion in an eternal way. They saw devotion in an eternal way. And so they were willing to do all of those things, but it was for the king. It was for each other. It was because they knew that discipleship is the mission. And so they were devoted. It gave them focused purpose. You could take lots of things in our society and you could put them in the place of college football. You could put politics, you could put career, you could put kids and sport, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can, you can fill that in and all kinds of us have devotion to lots of things. But this church, this early church, they were devoted to this mission. They were devoted to this mission. It gave them focused purpose. Second thing it gave him, it was also life-orienting. Life-orienting, it creates a value system. When you live as though discipleship is mission, it creates a value system for you when you make decisions. It creates a value system for you on what you spend your money on, what you spend your time on, what you give your talent to. It's life-orienting because from those values come our actions. What I actually believe to be true is showed by what I do, what I engage in, what I spend my time on, what I say I'm devoted to shows up. So it's life orienting. You know, there are a lot of obstacles for this group of people in Acts chapter two to be part of this movement. There are a lot of obstacles, this was new. This was outside of the norm. This was gonna subject them to persecution in lots and lots of ways. It would have been much easier for them to just exist in the regular society that they had existed in and not make noise. There were lots of obstacles to that. And today you face obstacles and I face obstacles when it comes to placing our devotion into discipleship being mission. We face obstacles with that. But if I'm truly devoted to that, then I'll get through those obstacles. Because my value system is saying, that's where I need to go. That's what I need to be part of. The vision of Bible Center in the past and the vision of Bible Center in the future will always be making disciples who make disciples. Yeah, we might say it in different ways, but that's the mission. That's the mission. So when we get up here and we push you and we encourage you and we harass you in some cases and, and we're, we're saying, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. It's because discipleship is the mission. Coming and attending a service on a Sunday morning is not the mission. It's a step along the way. It's a part of the journey, but it's not the destination. Disciples who make disciples is the destination. 
And this is part of that, but you've got to be together. You've got to be together in order for discipleship to take place. Discipleship always includes deep relationships with others. It always includes that. So number one, discipleship is mission. Number two, leadership is different. In the church, leadership is different. Look at verse 44. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Leadership in the church is designed differently. It exists for different purposes than culturally we would have leadership exist. Leaders in the church lead toward things that help people look like Jesus. They lead toward things that would help people look like Jesus. In this church in particular, we have, we have elders and we have deacons and we have people who serve and we have people who are part of leadership in all kinds of different ways. But the purpose of that is to help people look more like Jesus. It's not budgets and buildings and those types of things. Those are outcomes. Those are outcomes. But the purpose behind leadership in the church, the difference is it's here to help people look like Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter four. If you flip over one page in your booklet to page five, there are a couple verses there from Ephesians chapter four. It says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a description of, of leadership in the church. You don't see bottom lines on there. You don't see additional facilities on there. You don't see budgets on there. Leadership is different. It's there to push us to become more like Christ. So the first thing that I would say about leadership is it's God-given. It's God-given. In the church context, leadership is God-given. As we get into January, into the winter, which is a bad word, we're gonna do a series right out of those verses in Ephesians chapter four that has to do with gifting. It has to do with passion. It has to do with ability. And it has to do with the fact that God, if you know Jesus, has given you gifts. He's given you gifts. Not just the gift of the Holy Spirit, but he's given you gifts in which you can serve the church. So the second thing here is it's God-given, but it's service-oriented. Leadership in the church is service-oriented. It's always about serving others. He's building a group of people that can serve each other. That's leadership in the church. And so when you look at this description in Acts chapter two, and it says they were all together, the leaders had to go first. Somebody had to go first in the togetherness. Somebody had to stand up and say, okay, I'm gonna help us be together. 
but I'm gonna help us be together because that's what God wants for us. That's what God wants us to look like. And so I'm gonna open my home so that people can gather there. I'm gonna provide a meal so people can eat together. Whatever it might be, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna lead out because leadership in the church is different. And so as you discover who God has designed you to be, what gifts he's given you, what passions he's given you, what abilities he's given you so that you can serve each other. Bible Center becomes more and more the church that God wants us to be. So not only is discipleship mission, but leadership is different. Leadership is different. Look at objective two, it says this, we will introduce a leadership process helping people to identify their unique gifts, abilities, and passions, which will foster multiplication both within our city and around our state. So our sermon series in January is gonna be right about that. And our goal, our hope, is that we can help you discover who God's made you to be and how he has uniquely and specifically wired you to function in the church. Number three, number three, generosity is fuel. Look at verse 45. Generosity is fuel. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he has need. This was a devoted group of people. They were devoted to each other. They had grabbed hold of this concept that what's mine is from the Lord. And so generosity just became a lifestyle to them. It wasn't a checkbox. It wasn't a, well, I need to write my check to the church. It was, how can I help each other? How can I help the person next to me? How can I find a way to participate in the life of someone who has need. You know, this was one of the peculiar things about that early church in that society. It's one of the attractive things. It was one of the things that caused other people in the society to look and go, what is going on over there? Those people, they like, like love each other and they're like serving each other and they're helping each other out. And that was so foreign to society in that day. And I would say foreign in our society as well. But there's an attractive nature to this generosity and it became this, this fuel for this early church because they were devoted to each other so much that they were, they were willing to give up. They were willing to sacrifice. It was a deep abiding love. Generosity in the New Testament in particular, two comments about that. The first thing is it's first fruits. When you read the Bible and you, you see generosity, it's first fruits. All the way back to Abel and his sacrifice, it's first fruits. Devotion, priority, value system, a value system that says I'm devoted to this discipleship being mission means that I'm gonna respond with first fruits, the first piece of time that I have, the first piece of money that I have, the first piece of talent that I have is gonna go to serve that mission. It's 
gonna go to serve Jesus. It's gonna go to serve each other. That's the way I give. That's the way I'm generous. It's not the leftovers, it's the first. That's devotion. That's devotion. The second one is it's sacrificial. We read that phrase, sold their possessions and goods. I'm sure they liked their possessions and goods. It wasn't like, man, you know, I don't really like that anyway, so I'll sell it. There's a sacrificial nature to generosity. And you know that, and I know that. You've had people serve you in sacrificial ways. Most likely you've served someone else in a sacrificial way. But what happens when you do that? You walk away full. You walk away full. You don't think about what you just gave up. You think about how you were able to help someone else, how you were able to love someone else. Generosity is a lifestyle. That's what it does. It frees us from the grip of materialism. It frees us from the grip that money and those resources can get on our life. And it attaches us to mission, devotion to mission. It's fuel in our own life individually and it's also fuel in the life of a church. Bible Center has been and continues to be a generous church. What would happen if that continued to grow? If that was our reputation? If people heard about us and said that those are the most generous people I've ever met? It's fuel. Objective number three, flip the page, a couple pages. Says we will continue to refine our budget strategies by centralizing operations, by creating margin for vision through expanded generosity, and by budgeting within our means. What could God do if we weren't concerned about meeting a budget? What could God do if there was margin with finances? where every year we weren't getting together and saying, I'm gonna give because we need to hit a number. But what if we were giving because there was a vision that God gave us to reach a state for him? And we wanted to see the Lord adding to the number daily, those who were being saved. What could happen? Number four, number four, multiplication is from the Lord. Multiplication is from the Lord. The very last verse in Acts chapter two, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an outcome. What an outcome. 
He came as people who were devoted to mission and they, they saw leadership as an opportunity to serve others and they were generous with their time and their resources and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Multiplication is from the Lord. It's not from our programs. It's not from our ability to do stuff. It's from the Lord and we need to pray and we need to act like it comes from the Lord. And so we think that this year, in the history of Bible Center is the year of, of the next step. It's the year of the next step. And God's calling us into a next step. And you just got a taste of a few of those next steps. But today, we're gonna invite you to take a next step with each other. With each other. We think that God eventually wants us to impact the whole state. One of the reasons that I'm here at Bible Center is because I think we're uniquely situated to impact the whole state. A state of 1.7 million people, a state who has gone through difficult religion for a long season, a state that is ready to receive Jesus and the freedom that Jesus brings. We're in a capital city. He's already given us an internet ministry and a television ministry. And he's expanding that reach. And we think eventually that he wants us to start to create a network of churches, a network of churches. And so what we've even said is by 2030, we think that God wants us to have a network of three spiritually healthy, leader multiplying churches. You might see the number three and go, that's not very many. That's a lot. That's a lot. If that's gonna happen by 2030, that's a lot. Because there's two phrases that jump out in there, spiritually healthy and leader multiplying. Spiritually healthy and leader multiplying. And as we emerge from this pandemic season and we try to connect or we try to reconnect, we're relearning rhythms in our life. We're relearning spiritual formation in our life. We're relearning how to function together as a church. And so this year is the year of the next step. It's the year of the next step. Individually, the next step. God's calling you to take a next step. He's saying, if you wanna be part of what's going on here and you wanna be part of the influence of reaching this state, then you need to take the next step. Collectively, our next step is calling us to take our next step into spiritually healthy, into leader multiplying, becoming more and more the church he desires us to be. When we reach 2030 and we see a network of three and then we start to imagine what 2040 could be. Maybe it's a network of 40. In 2050, and maybe it's a network of 100. And you start to see a state saturated with the gospel of Jesus. And a group of churches who together are on mission, but it starts with the first step. 
mountains are climbed one step at a time. Mountains are climbed one step at a time. The choir's gonna join me. So there's gonna be a lot of activity because there's a lot of them. So right here. Imagine next year. On page nine, you see year in review. And you see numbers there. But those numbers are people. Those numbers represent people. Those numbers represent stories. Those numbers represent names. They represent faces. They represent journeys that people are on. Imagine next year that there was a number in here that represented and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What if the number of, of baptisms was over 300? It comes out of a next step. It comes out of a next step. It comes with you being willing to say, I'm devoted to this above anything else. I'm devoted to this mission above any other mission. I'm devoted to this mission above any other purpose that I might have. Any other thing that's pulling at me, I'm devoted to this first and foremost. I was with a friend this week and he was telling me how excited he was about Sundays. He's got a lot of other stuff that he's excited about too, but he's excited about Sunday. He says, I organize my week around Sundays. I can't wait to be there on Sundays. When I think about my own story, there's a name that, and a face that just comes to mind. And she invested in me behind the scenes, but she was one of my youth leaders and she taught me how to do puppets. You gotta use just your thumb. And she taught me how to mime. Why? So that I could grow up and be a puppeteer no, because discipleship is the mission. And she gave every Sunday night and every Wednesday to serving in student ministry and being part of a, a group of student leaders because discipleship is the mission and puppets and mime just happened to be the tool we were using then. And so for us to be a church that looks like the church that God wants us to be. It takes all of us saying, I'm gonna take my next step. I'm gonna value discipleship as the mission. I'm gonna be devoted to that above anything else. This morning for you, that might be meeting Jesus for the first time. At the end of the service, we'll have people that can pray with you on each side of the room. We would love for you to respond today and say, today's the day that I wanna know Jesus. For some of you, it might be opening up about other things that you want prayed about in your life. And there are prayer walls now at, on the, at the doors on your way out on each side. And we'd love to pray alongside of you. 
The big one today, though, is we want you to take a next step into life with people. Over and over through Acts chapter two, you see together, 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 together. We're gonna go into a series next week that's gonna talk about unity and how we should be together and how we should function together. It's the bedrock of the church being together. So you need to either host a group or lead a group or join a group or think about joining a group or show up to a group once a year or whatever the next step for you is. You say, well, I, I got obstacles and you know we got plans and schedules and I just can't commit to a group. Maybe you can be at a group one time between now and Christmas. Go one time between now and Christmas. Whatever the next step is for you, take the next step. So in the lobby on your way out, you're gonna see lots of tables and you're gonna see friendly faces there who can help you find a group. We have over 42 groups now that are part of the ministry. Every day of the week, evenings, mornings, midday, there's a place for you to join. There's a place for you to belong. There's a place for you to engage in life with each other. We wanna impact the state. It starts right here with our next step, individually, and collectively, take your next step. God, thank you for, the, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're with us, that you're present. Thank you that you're leading us and you're guiding us. And I pray today that your spirit would just fill this place. Empower us, give us courage to take that next step. Take that next step forward. And we pray that you would add to our number daily those who are being saved. Amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.